0: All right, guys, and welcome to the Let's Talk Tennis podcast. This is episode 11. I'm your host, Tom, and you're joined with Marty and Volsey. And today we have another guest. Um, this guy is one of the hardest working tennis coaches I think I've ever met. Um, and it's a privilege to have him on. And uh, Gabo Galeffi, welcome to the, the podcast. Thank you so
1: much for having
0: me. How are you guys doing? All good, all good over here, mate. We're just uh, This is just our hour every week just to, to chat about tennis and, uh, and try and figure out what's going on in the world of tennis. So um, I think today what we wanted to talk about was a, the, the life of a tennis coach at the club level. Um, and this is an interesting one, I think, for a lot of people because there's a lot of perspectives I think we've got to look at here. Um, Gabba, you're obviously working in Arizona right now, um, at a country club out there. You work for Genesis Health Clubs, the company that I work for. Uh, Marty and Vols, you guys were, um, working in clubs as well. Marty, you're at an academy setting yeah. now. and
2: We've Mar- all been in the trenches, man. Yeah, you know absolutely.
0: how it is. We've all got our time. And it's something where I would like to, to look at, at a few different angles because I think people that don't know, people have never done it just don't understand the difficulties that can come from the job but also the rewards as well and I think we'll look at all of it. So um, Gabo, just before we, we dive into that just introduce yourself give everybody a little bit of your background and, uh, and then we'll, we'll dive into things.
1: Sounds good. Well um, I'm originally Argentinian. Uh, I left Argentina when I was around 19 years old. Um, I knew really Earlier, probably when I was like 12, 13, that I really wanted to come to U.S. I always would see my friends, my tennis friends going to U.S. and having a blast and always telling that, you know, they had a tennis scholarship and that U.S. is amazing. So that's why I, I, I always wanted to come. The road was not easy. Um, you know, even though you have a scholarship, there are many things that you have to pay and afford. And, you know, even though I'm super um, grateful for my parents, you know, we were a middle class family in Argentina. um, And right now, our Argentinian peso is worth nothing. So, of course, it was really hard to get here. But, yeah, um, I was a little bit all around the place. uh, And I'm super grateful for tennis because, you know, I see tennis as a just like a way of life. It's not just a sport for me. It's just who I am. And, you know, I had the grace of, you know, going one year to, to China and I was kind of like a hitting partner and a volunteer coach in Shanghai. And uh, I also studied Chinese. Don't ask me if I know Chinese because I don't remember anything of that. And then, yeah, of course, I, I went there with my coach and, you know, trying to get some more money to be able to afford my first year as a freshman in the U.S., um, and then yeah I had to come back to our, to Argentina for a couple of months then I went to Mexico for around like six months I was uh, close to Mexico City I was working there with like a ATP guy he has just a few points and I was trying to help him and also working an academy there uh, and then yeah of course finally I was able to get my uh, student visa and I was able to afford my first semester in the US I didn't tell that to the financial, you know, aid or office, you know, they usually tell you that you got to be able to afford your first year. I lied. So sorry if you guys are here in this podcast. Um, And yeah, of course, I came to US August 2014. Uh, Of course, here to to Arizona, actually played for Arizona Christian University, NAI school. Uh, And yeah, I mean, since then, of course, a lot of hard work and grind, but I was able to you know, fulfill my dream of coming to the US. And, and yeah, uh, I finished school on uh, 2018. And then I moved to Genesis Health Class where of course I met Tom and some many great friends. Uh, I was able to obtain my green card, which I'm really grateful for because I always knew that I wanted to stay in this country and work. Mm. And I say that as a, as a perspective because of course i worked in argentina and i know what a tennis coach in argentina earn and and does and it's a really really tough uh job out there so i always wanted to come here because i love the country and and i love the the opportunities
2: Mm -hmm. so that's a good point i'm just gonna jump in yeah yeah i'm from argentina too and uh it's it's something I learned here in the States that coaches, whatever you coach, you're absolutely glorified because you're pretty much giving up your life for a sport. And, you know, it's a, such a big commitment like we're going to dive into right now. But in Argentina, coaches are not glorified very much, not recognized. I don't know how it is in Spain, Joan. How about you, Tom? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean. I mean, again, like, we have a bit of a mixture here in the UK, but I completely agree with what you guys are saying about the US. Like, here in the UK, like, coaches are respected. Like, they respect – the culture here is to respect the coach, but the pay does – and the lifestyle doesn't doesn't, um, show that, you know? And, like, what I found so interesting when I went out to the States, obviously, I I went out there to play and then, you know, fell in love with the coaching side of things, like, just after I graduated. And – the whole package of being a coach in the U S is that you, you have this kind of this place in society that people automatically give you respect because you're a coach. Um, and especially in tennis, I think it's a very unique country in the sense that you can make a very good living doing being a tennis coach in the States where the UK, uh, I'm sure it's the same in Argentina and Spain. Like you can't, unless you're working for, you know, the data Academy is a little bit different because it's an international you know, organization, but you can't make tons of money. And there's not the opportunity that we're seeing in the US for coaches to go and you know, move their way off the court and go into different things inside of tennis. And I think the, the, the first part that I want to talk about today is the beginning for most coaches is an absolute grind. Um, but and, it, and I think it weeds out the people that don't really love tennis and it solidifies people that do love tennis. Because for people who don't know, who've never really maybe been exposed to a club coaching style or academy coaching style, you're probably averaging at least 40 hours, potentially 50 hours a week on court every week to pay the bills. And yeah, sure, you can make a lot of money doing that. But when you break it down to individual hours and then you're doing that you know 40 to 50 times a week so much energy goes into one hour of coaching on a tennis court and you're constantly being watched you're constantly being assessed you know if if a tennis coach rocks up and doesn't give a good session that could be that that person's reputation damaged for a long time and it sounds a bit extreme but honestly that's that's the kind of the way the sport goes is that you're always having parents watching. The kids are always expecting something from you because you are this coach and you are that person of authority. And so, Gabriel, I wanted to kind of get your insight of, as I said before, you're somebody who I absolutely admire the work ethic that, you, that I saw at Genesis, that you were willing to work seven days a week. You were pulling in, honestly, 40 to 50 hours a week at, at times. And you were able to give energy to each and every one of those hours. And we talked about this before and it's and what's made you successful has allowed you to kind of move to Arizona and get the position you've got now. How on earth do you do that? I don't
1: know. And, and, you know, I go back to one thing you said, you have to truly love tennis and not see tennis as a sport or as an, or as a means to pay the bills because yeah. otherwise Well, I mean, you might be able to last a few years, but you won't be able to have that as a tennis career. You know, people are not, people are not stupid. I mean, they know when you truly care about them. They know when you want them to get better. And, you know, that pays off. And, you know, as you said, especially in in this country, you know, it really pays off here. There's, uh, you know, the demographics of this country with so much resources. People have resources and they don't mind spending for good quality of things. So when they see a good coach, they are like, you know, whatever you say, I will do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's one of the things, you know, goes back to what you said about, you know, respect. They, they really, you know, would say whatever you say because they, they trust you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a profession that... It it involves a lot of hours, and, and the the hours of the day, it's also tough because, as you know, usually weekends or late afternoons, you, you know, you just know that when you start coaching tennis, if that's what you want to do and that's your career, you will have to do, of course, later on when you are older and you're like a senior coach or whatever, maybe you won't have to stay until 8 p.m. or whatever, but at the beginning... You will have to, and, and you have to be good with it. And the only way you will power through is if you truly love the sport and you truly love what you do.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's such a, a, a good point about the hours. And, and I think that's, a, that's something that a lot of people don't appreciate with, with careers like coaching or you know, things where, where you're providing a service for people and it's on a one-to-one or a group setting basis is that you can't work when people are working. So you're working the hours that people have free. And so you know trying to build a family or having a social life yourself is very difficult because typically, I mean, from my own experience, I was working before people would go to work and then I was working after people would go to work. And there was a time when I was running a homeschool academy that I was working in the day as well. So my days were 10, 10 to 14 hours long. And with a couple of hours off the court, you know, there was a lot of times where it would just felt like from 6am until 8pm, I was either on the court or I was at the club. And that was, you know, five, six days a week. Because again, like most coaches are going to have to work either Saturday or Sunday because to get the hours in and for anyone who's listening, who doesn't understand how it's structured, there is no salaries in coaching. Like you can become a director. of a club or you know, a country club, then yes, you've got a salary. But those positions are very few and far between. Most coaches that you're going to be exposed to are getting paid when they step on the court. And so things like having indoor courts makes a huge difference to the income of the, of the coach because you know all of us have worked in situations where we would had no indoor courts. So if it rains, you don't get paid. I remember being in Atlanta and it snowed for a week. I can't get paid, you know, like I've got those salary yeah. to, to back up on. If you get injured, you've got to, I mean, all of us are probably coached injured, hurting. And, you know, I, I I want to get Marty and Volzi's opinion on this as well, but like it is extremely physically demanding, right? I mean, obviously when you're on court that much, even if you're not hitting tennis balls um, the whole time, you're standing on a court, you're walking around the court, you're constantly on your feet, which is, very, it took me a year or so really, my body to really adapt to that. And I was always getting pain in the feet and the ankles and stuff. But realistically, the mental fatigue you get as well. Like, Marty Volzi, what what have you experienced with the mental fatigue of coaching? Oh yeah, yes
3: uh, go ahead vols go ahead go, I was going to say that that's a really good point tom because the physical and mental aspect is something that you by the years that uh, you start working on this field like you start learning how to how you have to actually uh, take care of your body mm. and and as uh, the, my question that I wanted to ask is uh, in terms of 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 taking care of yourself what what are because i know that uh, I have my certain routines that I do yeah. and, and I feel that when I don't do them, I, I, I get to the end of the week, probably more tired. Uh, what are, what are the, what are your routines? Uh, or if you have any uh, that you, 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 use for yourself to, to, to feel, we, uh, to feel well, to feel better, to, mm-hmm. to be able to have high energy on the core in all the hours that you do uh, every week.
1: Yeah, that's uh. <laughs> That's a really good question. Well, first of all, honestly, you know, I'm, I was always a very hardworking guy and probably Tom won't like this, but I never, ever enjoyed going to the gym. That's something I never enjoyed. I was, you know, I, I like many other things, but you know, of course, but of course my, my strong mentality was was pushing me to the gym because you always see the value and you start seeing your body stronger and better and and right now but that's also another part you know I came outdoor now and I don't know what it is of course the weather but it's so much you know harder coaching outdoor than indoor and right now I increase my hours from working from Genesis to here so I'm probably putting 50 hours sometimes I'm hitting with a Really good junior players. So and of course Arizona Heat. So yeah, it's Mm. right now. It's making me way more thoughtful of my my health because I mean, if I don't have my body, or even if I can go to the court, but I don't feel well, I'm not gonna perform, and that's gonna compromise my job or my commission. So of course, the biggest thing is hydration. I invest in in a big big water jug. It's almost like you know one and a half gallons. That's I always try to have my water jug like right next to my basket. Sometimes you don't have time to just even go outside the court to to drink. So so that's something very important to have. Before you know, a couple years ago, I would just have like you know, water bottle or whatever. But right now, it's very important for me to have as much water as I can. Um, You know, a lot of snacks, and then usually I try before uh, I start my day and after, hopefully. Uh, a lot of stretching. One of the things that I'm that I'm struggling right now because it's such a physical job. You know, as Tom said, I finish after eight nine hours of coaching. I feel that I do not have energy to go to the gym yeah. or, or to do other things. Like, and it's not an excuse. Sometimes I'm like my body's is hurting, my ankles, my Achilles, and I'm like, and now I have to go to the gym, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't feel I have it. So that's why I've been focusing way more in in stretching, and try to have, you know, strong core, and to have, you know, strong legs, but sometimes I've been cutting a little bit through, through weights, and of course, probably Tom will be able to advise me on that, but, uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of stretching, and hydration, and of course, eating well. For sure. And you feel a bit, you feel a big difference doing that, right? I, I do feel a big difference, you know, honestly, in, in this job, if, in, in Sundays I see, I don't have nothing against them, but as I see coaches that are like 250 pounds and I'm like, sometimes you are kind of like defeating the purpose of what you are preaching is the same as going to the doctor and seeing a guy that tells you that you are overweight and the doctor is overweight, you know, I'm sorry, but it's, it's more important to, you know, coach by the example. That's just talking. It's going to be a different message. And, but yeah, uh, everything that I do, everything that I coach, I try to do myself. I will, I would never say anything or coach, Or say something that i wouldn't do
0: yeah for sure Marty. what do you think
2: oh no that's all good stuff i mean definitely um i like that you guys brought up those routines because you know we even preached uh, when we were talking about the juniors how they have to you know incorporate strength and stretching Uh and mobility and you know mental training and all these sorts of things and it's just as important for a coach to do the same thing so you know you can stay up to the level as a kid, throughout the process, and yeah, I'm a hundred percent with everything you guys are saying. It's a tough gig, you know. If you're not gonna make a, a killing out of it, you're not gonna make a lot of money. So you definitely shouldn't go into it for that purpose. Yeah, and you know you have to be willing to give up your life, like we've been discussing, to you know be fully invested in tennis and. It's very tricky, you know, having a family, being a guy that has a family and being exactly. a tennis pro, it, it's, I didn't see it being successful. Very hard to find
0: yeah. work-life
2: balance. Yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, it's very fulfilling at the end of the day, but you just have to know what the best route to go is. Um, I have a question um, for Gabo, um, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so what do you do on um, the days that you have for example a, a hitting lesson and then you have to host a clinic which is more standing more talking and then you know you get to go through all these varieties of lessons and levels um how do you mm-hmm. you know prepare for that and and, and and approach it
1: yeah for sure so um right now on my uh my club i'm kind of in charge and directing the under 12 groups that's one of the groups that you know, speaking on a general basis, coaches sometimes don't like to coach, you know, the young kids, you know, I don't know if it's pride or or what it is you should coaches, Of course, you get more rewards and you like to coach more, the better players or the older players. But uh, I sometimes feel that coaching those players that already sometimes know what to do is a little easier than actually building and forming uh, a little kid that is starting in in tennis and actually wants to get better. So I'm right now I'm trying to build that, that platform, but, but that's the thing I have. I'm coaching absolutely every single age group and level. And, and that's something that I really appreciate because I like the variety.
0: Mm. I see
1: every single lesson as like a, like a challenge. Yeah. Because if you are coaching four or five hours of the same age group of the same level, sometimes it becomes, the same, So I like to kind of like go into the lesson with a different setting and a different challenge, you know, and I love, I love my days because sometimes, you know, one day I have Red Bull and I have six kids with like four or five years old. And then the following hour, I have this like 16 year old that is like, a you know, junior player, really good player. And then I have a, a adult clinic. Um, so yeah, it's, um it's really good. I, I always say like that as a challenge and, uh, you know, being able to to provide feedback and to adjust. You know, a lot of tennis is, while you're playing, is, you know, adjusting and finding, you know, a better plan. Sometimes you go to the court with a plan A. Well, go with plan A. You always have to go with plan A. But if it doesn't work, you got to be able to adjust. Yeah,
2: yeah. And it's
1: the same as a tennis coach. You know, you always want to coach this type of players, but you got to be able to adjust for the following hour and give the very, very, very best lesson. Because... And that's why I love this, you know, under 12 group, because they're just waiting the whole day to come to the tennis lesson. Most of them, some others, you know, they just come to joke around, but um, some of those kids, whenever you see that a kid is like almost waiting the whole day and it's like jumping and already running laps around the court, you look like it's your duty, it's your responsibility to give them the very best tennis lessons they, they have because they are giving all your energy. Right.
2: no, it's awesome.
1: And,
3: and Gabo, Gabo, you actually brought a really good point talking about the pride of uh, a lot of times that coaches have because they want to train those best players. Yeah. But I actually think uh, the same as you, uh, the, the, this kind of vari- variety that you have coaching different levels, different balls, and uh, Actually, I think I think you actually learn a lot more mm-hmm. because you know the development of each pathway in each uh, group level, and, uh, instead of just being stuck uh, in the with the best players of, of that club or that academy. You know, like the learning experience as a coach is is totally different as well. I, yeah, I for sure. It.
0: I honestly think that is a really valuable point, and for anybody who's listening, who is like coming out of college potentially, or as a young young tennis player, like a you know coming out of their tennis career and is, is young and is trying to get into the coaching side of things, this was my mistake, I believe, um, was that when I first got into coaching my mindset was high performance right and so I got very fortunate that I got put in a position where I was coaching a high performance group that were nine years old so I had a bit of the like the orange and green and then I was with the high performance guys who at the time were you know some of the top players in the country and I ended up working with a girl who was top 20 top 15 in in the country and so I was lucky in that couple of years where I was seeing the developmental pathways, understanding, and and got a lot of very good uh, mentorship for how to develop kids from a young age. And then I went full blown into high performance, traveling with players every other week and not doing any other type of coaching around it. And although I absolutely love the high performance, the, 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 the fast pace of it the, the intensity the pressure of it to get results week in week out ultimately my career was short-lived because I could not continue to live that way and to continue to to put the energy I was putting into that I was like the, was required to get these players to the level they were they needed to play at um and and have a, a quality of life you know and so what I wish I'd done is I'd wish I'd kept more variety in my career so that I could be able to do, have a day where, you know, I'm in my day, I'm, I'm coaching 10 and under. And then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, tennis for me was always high pressure, right? Tennis coaching yeah. for me was always high pressure. It was always, you've got to get results. And for high performance, it's, it, it seems like it would be very rewarding, but it's not because when they win, that's what's expected. And when they lose, it's all your fault. And so, as a coach, you're constantly just trying to stay that one step ahead of like, okay, they're winning. Okay, let's ride this. And when they're losing, okay, okay, now I've got to make sure they start winning again. And there was no at the end of the day, there was no fun for me anymore. It was just serious work. And Gabby, you said you know you said something earlier where it was like you know, you shouldn't be doing this for the money and you shouldn't be in tennis coaching for the money. And I always said that. I always said that this was a lifestyle. This was a passion of mine. And the day that I looked at it as a paycheck is the day I needed to get out. And when that day came and it came a lot earlier than I thought it may become, (laughs) um, I knew that that was it for me. I knew that I had to go and do something else because I had done it, I had done so much and I traveled to so many tournaments and it had been done so intense over an eight year period that at that point I was, it wasn't fun for me anymore you know, and so I think for anyone who is a young tennis professional, like do as much, have as much variety in your day as you possibly can and, and remember that this is fun, like for me like even high performance remember that this is it should be fun as number one. I've said this on a podcast a lot. Like kids need to love what they're doing. The coach needs to love what they're doing. And then you go down to like, okay, are we winning? Are, you know, what do we need to change in their game or whatever? But if you lose that love, it's time to do something else. Like it's not a, it's not a, it's not a career you want to be doing. If you don't absolutely love stepping on a tennis court. Now you guys, I'm sure would agree, even though you absolutely love it. And even on the times where it's going great, there are days where you don't want to be out there because it's just very demanding physically. It's very demanding mentally. How do you deal with those, maybe even hours? Like, you know, again, people who are listening, you might not know you most, most coaches are doing eight to 10 hours a day on a tennis court and not every single hour you're going to enjoy. There might be things going on in your personal life. There might be times where you're not feeling that great or you're hungry or you're tired. And you still got to give that person who's paying you the money that valuable experience. How do you guys deal with the kind of not faking it, but still providing that value even when you really don't want to be there?
2: That's a, that's a good question. I, mean, I think, like you said, we've all been there. Um, my, my particular situation normally was if I was having a, a long day or You know, like you said, I I didn't really want to be there 100%. I would always kind of hope that the energy of the students or the players that day would be enough to force me to, okay, I had to step it up as well. Like I always say, you've got to, I can only meet you halfway as a coach and a player. We meet in the middle and we both strive together to make you better. But, and, uh, you know, I was always hoping that that would happen. And there's going to be those times where you get those grumpy players, unmotivated and you know, you just gotta find the discipline within to, you know, bring the best person out of you to make the other person better essentially.
0: Yeah. I don't sure.
2: know. That's how I feel about it.
0: Gabby, what about you?
1: Um that's a good question, you know. I um I don't know why. I never I never struggle with energy in that sense. And of course I still have uh, you know, lessons that I don't like. But I think in generalizing now but many times when you start the lesson with energy and you show and you know tennis is a lot you know about the on stage and off stage you know we have our moments uh it's very important when you get on stage on the tennis stage you know you you are able to adjust you know maybe for little kids you gotta be more of a clown uh maybe for adults you gotta be you know maybe a bit more serious and do some more jokes and for you know juniors being able to to, you know, give them their, their feedback. Um, and I think it's all about that, you know, just understanding what's the the public, what's the audience and, you know, being able to power through it. But, you know, we are all human beings. We all have emotions. And, you know, of course, I still have those days that I'm like, I just want to stay home. and And that's the thing you're already seeing the day and how much energy you you will need but but in that sense uh, i don't know why every time i'm on court i'm able to just find energy from i don't know where and and of course as soon as i get out of the court uh, sometimes you know i have like a 20 25 minute drive i'm just like extremely tired my body starts hurting it's like uh, my body transforms and my mind, you know, just transforms when I'm on court. And that shows me yeah. that I chose the right profession for me. I was never able to, you know, work in an office or somewhere else. And that's, you know, where it goes back to the passion and the way, you know,
0: way of living. I mean, it, you picked up some really good points there. And like, again, like I, I'm the guy that tried the office job and wasn't for me. And I, i Being able to supplement tennis with, you know, um, coaching fitness and nutrition now, and I just, I think if you have that personality where you just want to help people, um, and it's the same thing, you know, it's like I used to say to the guys at Genesis, like when you step on court as a coach, you're putting on a performance, you're putting on a performance, and you need to be able to know what character you're playing that day or for that hour, and I think it's really important that coaches understand that you can't be. You know, for me, I got trapped in that I was, you know, the high-performance guy, and that was what I did. And I was the, I was the director of juniors, and that was my role. And it was like there was no real change in me throughout the day. And I think the last couple of years, I started just really see a difference in the way that I was coaching individual players, and I started to relax with some players. I started to enjoy certain hours with certain players and not be so serious. and And I think it's it's really. A valuable uh, skill for coaches to learn early on is that sometimes you're going to have to be able to turn the screws and sometimes you've got to be a bit more loose and you need to know that your audience and you need to understand what character you are. Um, and I mean, it's, 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 a really difficult, it can be a really difficult um, profession, but obviously a very rewarding one as well. And I think as well, if people are listening to this and are taking tennis lessons or have a tennis coach. I do think that you need to be aware as well that there's certain ways to get the best out of your coaches. And I use an example. I, I, I now do tennis mentoring. So I have, you know, eight to 10 players that I mentor each week through Zoom, right? And, you know, we talk for an hour and I do more mental training with them these days. I'm not on the court anymore unless I'm hitting myself. And one of my players was struggling to communicate with his coach. And we spent a whole hour, me coaching him how to ask questions to his coach. And I explained to him, I was like, look, when you get there to practice at four o'clock in the afternoon, your coach has probably been on court at least five or six hours at that point. They're tired and they are walking around the court and they're probably a little bit zoned out. And if you just ask simple questions like "Why did I miss that forehand?", they're going to give you a very generic answer—the pre-programmed answer that we all know in our heads. I'm going to fire it back and then keep walking along. But it's all, like the questions like, "Hey, coach, can you watch this? And can you can you have a look to see why I'm missing this forehand?" And you get the coach engaged and you get the coach excited. Like I'm sure you guys have had that feeling when you step on court of a player and they generally want to get better and they're asking questions and you get excited like I used to get a buzz where it's like and I remember towards the end of my career when I started just just putting a few like beginner lessons into my schedule just to kind of keep up a, a appearance at the club that I wasn't just because I was director of te- uh, junior tennis and I, I wasn't just a high performance guy I had to do a little bit more and I just get really excited when I was coaching a junior I was like trying to overload them of information because it was so nice <laughs> and refreshing to give, them, like, to give them the basics again, you know? And yeah. I think it's a really good thing for people who are taking lessons to really understand how you ask the coach the question or what you ask them and how you engage the coach It's ultimately how successful your experience is going to be with that person because they are probably going to be tired. They have been doing this back to back all day. And if, they, if you're the first lesson they've got, They're probably in the back of their mind thinking, I've got 10 more hours of this today, you know? (laughs) And so they're probably tired from the day before. And so I think just being able to educate people and just being like, ask them questions where you engage them, where you actually get them interested in it. What do you guys think on that? Like, are there certain questions or there's certain things that that players do that kind of get you going even when you're tired? 100%
2: 100% that's like that 50-50 I, I think what you just said there is that 50% I need from the player the the, yeah. the, the hunger to get better and yeah. you know to express it because that's what we want at the end of the day not just to build players but create a personality that you know is inviting and yeah. just to make them better for the future I don't yeah. know what other what other people think about that, that yeah great
0: I, I used to say to, to players and just be like I'm not your school teacher you don't have to be here And like, if you don't want to be here, I don't want you to be here. I don't want to be here either at that point, because I was just like, you know, it's just like, there's nothing worse than getting on a court with somebody who just doesn't want to engage. Um, Gabby, what would be your best advice to people that are looking to take tennis lessons, who are taking tennis lessons, who are in academy settings, health club settings, country club settings? How do you get the best out of your coaches? Out of my coaches? Like, so if you're giving advice to somebody who's gonna take a lesson with you, let's say. Okay, perfect. What's the best advice to get the best out of you or other coaches that you've seen?
1: I would say, you know, just simple care. Uh, no matter if you had a, and, and you know, just going back to one of the points that you guys said, you know, even for coaches or, or for players, you know, we, we love coaching. I don't think we love babysitting yeah yeah and, yeah and 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 that's that's when we don't enjoy those those lessons because we didn't sign up for that but it's one of the things that we gotta do you know for our job um and you know with that with that aspect i had to say that to you know a couple of kids yesterday you know i'm not baby, your babysitter uh, so even if you want to be here or not at least show respect and you know it goes back to many points of said. It's like the respect of a coach towards the player that actually wants to learn tennis it's so important that the first experience of a tennis player doesn't matter if it's a little kid an adult or whatever they might keep playing tennis for their whole life if they have a good first experience and sometimes you don't know if that's their first first experience sometimes you don't even ask if this is your first time so i always uh, and now because i'm coaching you know under 12, I always ask the parents or ask them. As soon as I know that is their first experience, I try to give them like a, a tennis birthday because it's very important if they go to their houses on a very good, you know, first impression, they're going to stay, you know, with tennis. And in some I don't even mind if they stay with me or they stay with another coach or with the academy or they just want to play tennis. You know, we, we love this sport. It's like... One of the things that we love the most, and it's it's just a way of life. We just want this sport to keep growing. And the most important thing is for coaches to truly care. You know, we've seen it it happens in every single country, in so many places, so many players that play for a few years. And I'm like, oh, I just want a side house and I'm going to start coaching. The fact that you know how to hit the ball doesn't mean that you know how to understand the player and how to coach them and how to, you know, create a relationship. And that's what, you know, sometimes hurts actual true coaches and tennis professionals.
0: I think that's really valuable. And uh, we're about to run out of time, but Gabo, mate, I really appreciate you coming on and joining us and giving your insight on, um, you know, the life of a tennis coach. And uh, for people who are listening, if you're somebody who's looking to get into it, you know, get into it for the right reasons. And if you're somebody who is trying to experience um, what tennis coaches can offer you, make sure that you're going, like Marty said, make sure you're going 50% of the way and, and get the, the coach to be interested in coaching you. and you'll get, you'll know if that coach is good very quickly, you know? So um, boys, as always, it's a pleasure. We'll be back for uh, the next episode next week. Gabo, again, can't thank you enough for joining us and uh, best of luck, my friend in uh, Arizona. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. All right, All right boys. See you later. Thanks, See, you, See you, guys. Thank you,
1: guys. Bye, bye.